Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It is born in the fury of the most violent storms on Earth. It has traveled thousands of miles, building in strength and size. And here, in a remote corner of the planet, some men will not run from its fury. They will ride it. You're not ready for it. I'm ready. So when the wave breaks here, don't be there. Or you're gonna get drilled. He's a modern savage. If I say it's safe to surf this beach, Captain, it's safe to surf this beach! What's he searching for? The ride. The ultimate ride. What's up? The only thing surfers have in common with the rest of America is they're unemployed and love crystal meth. Okay, we are actually recording. This is Surf Center. This is, I guess we're going to call this episode 9.5. Episode 9 was called Socially Awkward with um, Lincoln Ether, who is, I think, seems to be an expert in a lot of different things, but I'll let Damien describe kind of his background a little bit more. Yeah, so Link's the founder of Empire F. He's always had a curious interest in kind of what's going on beyond the surf world and fascinated. his fascination is being like how to marry those together, right? Looking outside for, for influence and and how to apply it to surf, right? right? And Link is an incredible surfer, uh, was a top Aussie junior. He actually lives, he rents McFanning's back house. Yeah. So he's there, so he's super plugged into it, but then he's also looking beyond the surf horizon and he's kind of the perfect example. He get, He's got a super analytical mind. Um, his company is Empire Ave. He's worked with like Balroy, which is a wallet company and they were mm-hmm. kind of at the forefront of digital marketing when right. it went live, you know, and, and they really capitalized on the Facebook ads, mm-hmm. the Google ads and built an incredible DTC business. And he was kind of along for that whole journey with these guys. I, I know he still does some consulting. So his his website is empireav.com and he has a consulting consultancy firm too. Quite frankly, I'm actually blown away that these brands don't hire on these surf brands. You know? Yeah. And the, and he would probably be skeptical to actually go in and do work with them because yeah. he knows they probably won't listen. They'll be again, it'll just be like Hey, they can show their boss something that they did. Like, here's a report from the super smart guy, but we're probably not going to do anything because uh, it might be a bit risky. Yeah, I mean, look, I would, I would, would love to. In fact, and hopefully, we'll have the opportunity to do that. I would love to work with him, and in, in in the context of of working with clients and helping our clients do a, a better job. Um, I guess really owning that space and 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 again as he as lincoln very clearly states you know this is it's basically essentially free um and and all you have to do is know how to use it know how to utilize it better and and i really don't think i've heard it crystallized as as well as 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 lincoln does it in in that last episode so what we did here is we decided that we'd play you know the full hour or hour plus of of lincoln's interview with us and and i think you'll hear a lot of what you heard in the last episode, but but much 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 more. So I think this is um is, is much more in depth and, and and definitely worth worth your time. So hopefully you guys enjoy it, and um, we'll catch you on the other side of this. Thank you. So obviously, I mean, we've known each other for a while, but I, and I've always really appreciated it. how long you've been doing Empire for now six eight years. 10, 10 years. Yeah, exactly. So since early days of the internet, especially for surf, and you've always had this real unique perspective on surfing as a as a business, and then just as like a core sport, having been such a good like a young professional yourself, and just being so close to it your whole life. So, which is very rare. It's very rare to come across somebody that 
uh, understands the business side, the core side, and then how to kind of marry the two, that kind of gray area in between. Because as we've seen in the surf industry, the biggest challenge is finding these people that can execute what's kind of appealing to the outside world and then making sure the core market is covered too and that they're being fed the right information and you're kind of staying on brand. And, that, and, that's, and I think that's what you've been able to do really well and being able to comment on from an outside of, or not from an outside of it, from a media perspective. And that's why I just loved, and that's why we wanted to have you on here for one. And secondly, just love that data that, you, or the study that you did on the kind of social media. Oh, the one yeah, the quick one. I did like a, I think there was the, I had, what have I got? I've got, where's the sheet? I've got data going back to 2015. So I've got five years worth of data across, where's the master? Across 260 brands, or I should say 260 accounts. And that goes across likes, posts, their fans, um, and from that, I can break down average like per post, average like per fan, their engagement rate, uh, posts per days, and then I break it down into category. The other thing so, I did was, the other thing I did was with a couple of different brands, like I've done reports for Channel Islands the last two years. And a part of that is I went and created, I worked with a mate who is a maths professor on creating a different engagement rate based around a 30 day rolling period so that we weighted it differently where um, most engagement rates from social media platforms like Later or Sprout, it's uh, one action is one point. So it doesn't matter if that action is a like, a comment, a tag, whereas I was trying to weight them differently where it's quite easy for me to like an image and not even know what account it was. Mm -hmm. It takes a bit more effort for me to comment and go, this is awesome but it's a lot different if I tag a mate in because then I'm sharing it. And so I was waiting at where a like is one point, a comment is 10 points and a tag is 20 points. And so it definitely shaped a different engagement rate for a lot of brands where, or a lot of accounts where you look at it on that purely one action, one point, and you might look at them and go, oh, their engagement rate isn't that great. But when you look at it from a different weighting perspective, you can see that some brands actually, or I should say some accounts do really quite well because a lot of their viewers or fans are tagging in their mates or uh, writing love letter comments of, oh, I love what you guys do. This is awesome. Mm. Versus this is a cool photo and I'll just double tap it. Right. It's almost like, some, and I think that some people, as they engage with it, so when you're scrolling through Instagram, you know, you're just doing it so quickly. You're not necessarily, you're yeah. not really like being discerning at all. And sometimes it's almost like an involuntary double tap to like something. You're not even really in it. It's not, it's, it's not a, 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 I think a, a conscious, thought, right. Conscious decision that you're making. Right. Yeah. And you just roll through and you forget half the things that you might remember the images that you've liked, but you probably don't remember the accounts that you've liked them. It's more of when you stop and actively interact with that account via uh, writing a comment or tagging a friend or sharing it to a friend that then you start to remember them a lot clearly. Right. So and I think that's big, where the, the, the value is. So if you're a big brand, what would you consider, what is your success metric that you're running off for your social media? In, well, social media is a hard one, but if you look at it just from a Instagram point of view, it saves shares 
and the big one though, it's getting conversions and it's getting them off that leased platform. I think a lot of uh, businesses tend to forget that social media is just a leased platform. It's not something you own, you're renting it. So your main goal should be to try and get them off that rented platform to something you own, which is a database for newsletters, for being able to interact with your uh, consumers one-to-one, whether it's newsletters or emerging tech with text messages and stuff. And, you know, that's another rabbit hole in itself. When you look at overall social media success metrics and that, I think you need to break that down per platform because success metrics on TikTok are different to what they are on Instagram, which are different to what they are on Twitter. Hmm. So give us an example of then if you were across those three channels, what would be, and again, like I think if you're saying the success metric is to get somebody off of, of their non-owned platforms, right? That that should be the main overall objective of social media, but to a platform point of view, if you look at Instagram, um, the basic vanity metric that everyone runs across every new social media platform is just how many people are following us. When you break that further down for Instagram, it's like how many people are saving, how many people are sharing, are we getting the conversions? Um, If I was looking at comments alone, it would be like how many people are tagging their friends in this? So it's helping us get a further reach and awareness. Um, Twitter, it's overall uh, mentions and back and forth and engagement, and then also just overall retweets. And that's where that uh, earlier question you emailed through is like trolling and effective marketing tactic. Uh, It's probably more effective in Twitter than it is other platforms, but then you look at an account like Nike Skateboarding, Nike SB. Um, Right now, I love what they're doing. Uh, It's effective, yes, and the way that they snap back um, is awesome. And it's definitely a lot more effective in skate than it probably could be in surf because of the way skate can get around that type of stuff. Um, It's effective, but I don't know if it's successful in their overall social media objective, but I like what they're doing. And that's where Twitter's really great and comments to a degree on Instagram can be uh, an effective place for trolling. Um, TikTok, to be honest, I'm still trying to educate myself a lot more on that. A lot of that is just going to be likes, getting on the discovery page, to be honest, a lot of it right now is like if you become a meme or not, it feels like yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're the accounts. It's not, um, it's not the accounts that are doing day-to-day stuff. It's the dance challenges that go wrong. It's uh, the comedy accounts that do well. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting one, TikTok. We've had a hard time kind of, I guess, reverse engineering that stuff too. Um, but uh, I do know that like, that that's i mean there's there are and it's it's just a weird platform it's a weird it's almost like why yeah. aren't those videos yeah. just instagram videos anyways you know so well, uh, i think a lot of them do become instagram videos right. unfortunately yeah. they they cross cross platform it um i think tiktok the winningest ones is like if you look at sports is like nba do a really good job mm-hmm. And MBA do a really good job across social media entirely. And a lot of that is because they've got the resources to build out a solid social media team. And that's uh, sure you might see the same type of content show up across multiple platforms, but they've repurposed that content to be native to each platform. So on TikTok, 
an NBA piece of content might be then recut to a way to whatever the latest hot song is, or it might be cut based on how um, a player celebrates that might be cut out and used, then that same type of content just gets used as a basic portrait sized video on Instagram. Uh, you might get a short landscape video with a question or a poll on it on Twitter. And then you just get the basic video uploaded to Facebook. And then it's a whole different kettle of fish if you want to start playing around with Reddit or Discord or yeah. any of those type of areas. I, I think that we've been focused pretty pretty squarely on Instagram, just in terms of brand building. Um, yeah. And in terms of our, we, we sort of have preceded this uh, interview with our own kind of commentary on social and where that's landed us is there are brands that, that, that sort of everything they, they post ladders up to a larger idea and, and, or ideal like a Patagonia. And then there mm -hmm. are other brands, like especially the brands that we're talking about within surf, which, which seem to just be um, very much about nothing um, or, or about, you know, trying to sell you a product. Um, but, but there's no, yeah. that, but you're not like, I'm not clear as to what Quicksilver or Billabong really stand for other than this season's new collaboration with Dr. Seuss or this, you know, or, or whatever, like whatever the new season's collection looks like this striped trunk, this new t-shirt, this whatever, but there's yeah. not, they don't necessarily deliver back up to the brand. Is that, no, you kind I, of see too? No, I, I agree with that. A lot of, social or a lot of brands or surf brands that are on Instagram or social in general, you get the feeling that they're there because they know they need to be not because they're investing in it to create a good experience or a great touch point for the consumers that they are trying to sell product to. And so you get brands that either go way over the top and share really picture perfect unrelatable moments they're aspirational sure but they're unrelatable for most surfers or you've got accounts that just go the opposite end of the scale and are just so product heavy of product this product that and then they might put an action shot here and they're posting three times a day and overall it just feels like most surf accounts are there because they know they need to be not because they want to be or because they've figured out a great strategy that works for their larger objective like you said like patagonia have or the nba have or what's another good one is um complex do it well uh fucking what's that other one bk it's almost like a complex spin-off um uh, it's a report starts with b br Report. Oh, Bleacher Report. Oh, sure. Bleacher, Bleacher yeah. Report. That's it. So they've done a really good job too in the way of they're understanding yeah. what their consumers are wanting to get out of these platforms. And so that it's just that idea of like, all right, we're going to be front of mind because we're giving them a great experience through these different touch points, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, so that when they want to go to something basketball, they're going to come to us. And yeah. there's other brands that do it really well too, like uh, Yankees, Clippers. Um, Clippers did it really well there for a while for a basketball team that kind of sucked, you know? So let's, um, so let's talk a bit about that. So if you, let's talk a bit about, and we can go into the individual league, I mean, the individual team, like the Clippers and that, but what if we, let's, let's do one for one NBA versus WSL. What's the clear differences for you? 
NBA know what they're doing. <laughs> Not I mean, bullshit. well, that's the thing is they pandered to WS. I mean, both accounts, both organizations pandered to their fans. It's just that the NBA pandered to basketball fans, and WSL seemed to pander to people that like looking at surf not actually surf and so every now and again you get stuff on wsl that's kind of mind-blowing and awesome or to the core surfer is really rad but for the most part it's fucking trash it's just unfortunate that the to use to a better saying the governing body for surf is out there showing that this is what surf is to the wider media or the wider consumer base um and i think wsl it seem to be too consumed with increasing their following rather than creating good content that works for surfers. Um, and you look, you know, they did really well with the uh, shop local campaign that they did. I thought that was amazing how they had all surfers on tour go to a local surf shop, buy stuff. If you come into this surf shop and buy something from here, you go into um, the draw to win this pack that I've just bought. You know, Mick did it at Curasurf. Ethan did it with a join up at North Stratty. Matt Gilveray. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Matt McGillifray. Yeah, and we've got one yeah, of yeah, Mikey so, dropping yeah, next week with yeah. two boards I from think, And I think that was a great campaign for both social and just really good surf-based stuff. But then you've got shit like the Home Break Challenge. Or, fuck, I went on a Twitter rant about it. I'd have to find it. It's just that idea of the shit that the WSL unfortunately does to, you know, and you do look at their engagement rate and it's not that great for, you know, Gabby still to awesome. So if you're, so, okay. So more people know about Quicksilver than know about the WSL. They've been around for a million years. Quicksilver is, they've sold probably more than 6.6 million pieces of product, which is whatever the WSL, whatever their following is. What, 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 what is the opportunity for one of these surf brands to take and what, if you were in a position of Quicksilver Billabong and you could implement real change, what action would you take and how would you, what would your tactics be? Uh, the biggest one would be just trying to make sure I get enough resources to flesh out social. I think that's probably the biggest challenge most surf brands have is the resources in social are hard to come by. Um, there's enough brands in social that do it as a whim because we have to be there versus um, we've got all these opportunities to do something really great. Most of them, uh, they just, what would I do? Create a very sound team that includes both uh, people that are very tech and social savvy, a couple of kids that understand the language and what works across multiple platforms. Um, then build it out with the creative director around what is good surf content working with the writers to get them involved. Um, ideally not doing a lot around product unless it's, you know, a leading capsule or piece for the season. And if it is, then all right, well, um, let's go and create stories around it. Um, so you've thought this through a couple of times. I mean, you've, 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 I have, you've got, I'm, I'm you've just got to, in your head for sure. Yeah, I've got it there and I'm just, kind of trying to watch my words as well you know um because a lot of my feedback thoughts responses are from looking at the outside you know and we all know that when you're inside it's a lot harder 
lot harder, which is that earlier statement of resources in social for surf accounts or surf brands mm -hmm. are really hard to come by because most marketing departments or CEOs in surf look at social and like, oh, I guess we've got to be there instead of what it can be. You know, social is essentially today's advertising and it's, it's pretty much free. But they're still, you know, up until print died two or three years ago, most surf brands were like, mate, I need that back page. I need a double page spread. Um, whereas a lot of that money that you were paying to get your surfer on the back page or whatnot could have been sunk into creating really good content for social. And if you've got a marketing team that's on the ball, a lot of that content can then be used with uh, to back it up through retail marketing, event marketing, um, athlete marketing as well as helping your retailers um, have content for their own accounts rather than you sitting there going, I'm going to open up a flagship account. I'm going to open up regional accounts. I'm going to open up fucking store accounts for every store that we've got. And then it just becomes a reposting cemetery because you're not giving them enough different content. And you've got a store in North America posting uh, summer content from the southern hemisphere because they've got nothing else to post and they know that they've got to post once a day mm -hmm. comes down to that point of like um there was one question you had like what overarching advice would you give to surf brands in regards to social strategy and tactics and i'd read a bunch of notes it's like it's avoid doing it because you know you have to stop posting every day because you think you have to you don't have to open up a zillion accounts around regions or retail stores unless you have some crazy growth strategy which I can't imagine many, if any, surf brands actually understand that. Um, they should be working with their creative or overall marketing team to build out a proper content bucket strategy for Instagram on how it should look, number of posts, how many athlete posts versus product posts versus inspirational, aspirational content. How does it work for stories? Can we treat stories like TV channels where on Monday we do this, on Wednesday we do that, instead of just reposting shit that they think cool, the athlete's done. Um, social strategy should just be more than how you intend to do Instagram because fortunately there's a lot of brands that have the resources to do social well, do social well, but we just see a lot of reposted content across platforms. Um, and, and reusing content's fine, look at the NBA, but the way the NBA do it is they recut it and repurpose it for the platform. There's no need to be lazy and put a landscape video on Instagram TV with a slide before it telling me to rotate my phone. It's kind of just lazy. Um, this is the trick where I don't think a lot of people understand. And this is just going off my knowledge. So if anyone listening knows better, by all means, hit me up. Is if you post something great on Instagram and you get really good engagement, Instagram look at it and go, this account's done something great. All their fans are looking at it. So I'm going to make sure that the next post they do gets seen by all their audience. And most brands just continue to do what they do and fuck it up and get an amazing post and then follow it up with fucking something trash. And Instagram then goes, oh, this is trash again. All right, back to the basement for you, mate. Sorry, you've had your chance. Instead of going, I've got to make this next post too because it's not about quantity on Instagram. It's about quality. You're in the viewer's world now. You've got to adapt or die. Um, if you post it every day, you're wearing down any credit you have on Instagram. In the feed now, it's more quality than quantity then quality isn't perfect waves or a tropical paradise. Quality is content you know your audience is going to like, share and engage with and whoever your target audience is and the catch is that most brands just look at it from a demographic point of view rather than an easier way of psychographics where you're trying to understand what makes that person interested in your brand in the world of surf. 
Um, stories is a area that's probably the biggest mess. Um, I, you know, most brands, most brands spend time reposting their team writers or influencers. When, like I said earlier, you could be treating it like a TV channel. Same with Instagram TV. And I don't know if a lot of people know this, but if you post an Instagram TV clip or you post portrait-based videos, it shows up larger in search and discovery than a uh, landscape-based image does. So you're already helping yourself there. Um, and that's just Instagram. Like Twitter's wildly undervalued because surf is only focusing on kids and kids don't use Twitter, which is kind of funny because there's no surf brands on TikTok right now where all these kids, they're meant to be targeting play and the ones that are on TikTok don't know how to use it. Mm. It's just a comedy of errors. And um, I, I don't feel comfortable pointing the finger at any one person. I think it's just surf as a whole. Uh, it's a mix of not actually giving social its due respect. Um, like they did print advertising back in the day. Like there's a lot of opportunity with social and the way it can interact with, uh, for use of a better buzzword, omni-channel marketing. Mm of how it can interact with stores, how QR codes on in-store or out-of-home advertising can work with integrating social and creating just a better 360-degree uh, experience for the consumer so that they don't feel like they're getting marketed to. They feel like that they're a part of something, whether it's a brand or the governing body for surf or whatever sport, you know? That's kind of the last yeah. rant I wrote. No, I think that's, that's actually spot on and, and much, much more, I think, educated than, than the rant that will preceded this call and probably will, will be at the end of it <laughs> and will bookend this. But the, the, um, the one thing that I think that, 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 I, that stands out to me is, is what you had said about print, which is, it's strange to me that I think the rest of the world left print behind a long time ago, right? I mean, a yeah. long time ago. And the fact that as of, you know, a couple of years ago, people are still doing their whole seasonal campaign came down to what that what that two page spread looked like. And then and then that two page spread became their Instagram post and it became their, you know, their out of home and it became their in store and it became every other, you know, thing that you could hang tags and everything else. So they would just go, all right, this is what the thing is. And I think that a lot of the CMOs in surf and a lot of the people that are leading the marketing departments in surf are still kind of caught in that world of of they're still thinking of the world in that sort of two-page ad, two-page spread, print ad world, and they haven't necessarily evolved their um, their thinking no. to sort of, no. I guess, mirror what you just said. Yeah, and the, the funny thing is the amount of uh, accounts, whether it's a brand, a company, a single person, um, oh, we're shooting this new campaign for Instagram, and it's like, I think you've misplaced the idea of what a campaign is. Yeah. Yeah, you know that's the biggest catch of like, hey, if you're shooting a campaign, that's fantastic. I think it's amazing, but a campaign just isn't for Instagram. You're just doing a photo shoot. Sorry. Right. Like, yeah. It'd be really good to see some brands um, approach their next campaigns on how it's going to look or how it's going to get rolled out across all these different touch points on that they've got access to use based on resources and um, social should be one of those leading areas that they sink resources into because that's their new advertising frontier without trying to advertise on it you know um it's like surf advertising in the late 80s and early 90s was all about the feeling you get from surfing that was all the stuff that surfing got built on whereas now it's all about the product that we need to sell so if 
surf, for instance, could go back to selling the feeling that surfing provides and figure out how to wrap that up and push that across the different touch points that brand A can access with their customers, whether that is just purely social and brand X has access to Instagram, TikTok and Twitter, or it's brand Y that's got the ability to do out of home, a really good uh, in-store and then also social campaign. And the way that they can all tie back to each other through use of text messaging, QR codes, newsletters, you know, um, I keep getting uh, like, fuck, person that Quicksilver's newsletter, new, Quicksilver's newsletter program is just absolute trash. I got a newsletter the other day that I saw the subject title and I got so excited and then I opened it up and the first thing they did was like, you need to buy this. This is on sale. And I was like, oh, well, I actually really wanted to dig into this and you've just fucking hit me over the head already. Well, that's the, that's the issue, right? They've just been like shoving fucking product down everyone's throats yeah. for so long. And, and we yeah. talked about this earlier on in this podcast, but a, a pro server told me the other day and it was, uh, I thought it was quite cool that it had come from a high level pro surf. And he's like, there are no more, they're not surf brands anymore. They're just clothing companies that sponsor surfers. Yep. And, yep. and it's a really stuff. good, yeah. The, the one brand that probably still does it well um, in the sense of doesn't, well, Ripkel still do really good surf product and Ripkel also have the search. Do I think they're doing it? Like, I still don't think that Ripkel are doing it great, but Ripkel probably have the best opportunity to take that idea of what selling surfing is without it being so product heavy or product focused, especially around the search. Like the search is easily one of the best surf campaigns in history. Um, but then you go back to, and even though this Stussy isn't a surf brand, but when Stussy started and it was a surf brand, they sold surf and they sold the attitude that surf had so well. They weren't about selling product. They were like selling the attitude that you wanted to represent surf. And granted that was 30, 40 years ago and times are different now, but I think consumers still want to be a part of something. There's still that idea of tribes. There's still that idea of, which NBA do, and they're a governing body of making you enjoy basketball. Right now, if you look at the WSL, we go back to the Instagram account, or oh shit, even their website. I don't enjoy surfing. Looking at that, I get kind of embarrassed. Yeah. That that's the message, unfortunately, going out. Granted, the webcasts have been the best they've ever been. I mean, fucking hands down to whoever's doing those things. They look amazing. Whether it's on my computer or my TV, WSL webcasts right now are awesome. Yeah, my that's their product. And I think they try to do a lot of things that they're not necessarily great at. And but they're yeah. they, the thing that they are great at is that. Yeah. They and they're amazing at it. And the other thing that I think they do well is that they just reiterate, all right, this sucks, let's try something else. This sucks, let's try something else. So they're just churning and burning and they've just been churning a lot. You know, I really like uh Proden's podcast. Yep. I love the webcast. Um that's maybe about it. Um, Froden, I think Froden's sort of like the unofficial, you know, Wizard of Oz that's behind the curtain of a lot of the success there, I think. So I think yeah. he's, he's a, he's a, he, he cares and he's, and he's yeah. good. So Yeah. And, and you, you even get that when you listen to him on the podcasts yeah. that he does host or he does get interviewed on. Like he's just a diehard surf nerd and it's so awesome. Yeah. But at the same time, he's, yeah. Oh, is he? Right. Yeah, sure. um, can rip. But, but he's not backwards and coming forwards in denouncing the shortcomings that he identifies with the WSL, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. At the same time, he knows, he knows the challenges. Yeah. 
I want to go back to something you said earlier and Chad and I spoke about it and we spoke kind of before we mentioned that we were going to interview you on this podcast. We spoke a bit about that Ripcall post that you had down, right? And all the old advertisements. And, and then we spoke uh, yeah. a lot about how their search, we agreed and we had said the search is their best entity and they're kind of failing the way that they're marrying it with their social. And that's the ultimate, you know, that's the ultimate campaign for a brand, right? So I want you to talk a bit about, because since you posted it, just and it was initially just a story you had such an amazing response to these old advertising campaigns and how they're not kind of tapping into that old nostalgic part of their brand but even um like as, as much as the search is a great advertising concept but even just advertising from the 80s whether it was nike or rip curl like the ads back then they were just interesting whether it's that one of Gur just standing in the wetsuit and they had a lot of information like um, everything in product advertising is too teched out and it's too hard for us to understand or if it's clothing, it's um, just merchandised really bad. I think a lot of the opportunities are missed on just giving us information on hardware. Like as surfers, we need education so that we know what we're buying. And if it's not hardware, it's just trying to sell us that dream of what surfing is. And um, it doesn't necessarily need to be perfect Indo reef breaks anymore um i think dane did that with uh marine layers it's like hey it's all right just to go surf my shitty beach break the idea that we're all trying to sell here is surfing's fun we all love it let's you know it's not necessarily the product like clothing's not essential surfboards are wetsuits are um just start talking about that the essential stuff that you need to go surfing it's the if that's any of the product marketing you should be doing, it's the essential stuff that you need to go surfing with and everything else should be uh, marketing or advertising around the ideals or results we get out of surfing and what it does for us day to day. I think that rip curl, the rip curl search, I think is, is probably the best campaign because of the fact, and they haven't even done it this way, but because of the fact that every, you know, our, our favorite moments as surfers are, this is the search, right? It could just be going to the local beach break and finding a good sandbar around the corner where nobody else is, you know, like, or just these mellow little like two hour road trip is the search, you know, and then it, but it could be a lifetime as well. It could be like the, you know, all those dudes that that went all the way down through South America in a Volkswagen bus is the search, right? You know, so it goes, it's as small or as big as you want it to be. And And it can be, and it's a perfect, I mean, it's, it would work perfectly across every social channel, I think. Um, but yeah. Instagram, Instagram, and even TikTok, I think it, you could probably reasonably say that those are that you could function pretty well with that as a campaign. Oh, you could do the search on TikTok in a really quite a fun manner, especially yeah. this like day to day. I've just driven down the street, or I've driven two hours away, and save some of the real quality search stuff for Instagram. And um, I think a lot of people would really love to know some of the back end stories behind searching and discovery and. Um, whether that's the, the crazy Indo trips with Martin Daly or um, just the stuff up the road, there's a lot of opportunity with the search and I'm sure Rip Curl know that. Um, yeah. And they're probably just figuring out what's next with it all. You know, they've got Mick and Mason and um, when they kicked that back up last year before Mick injured himself, they were doing some pretty cool stuff. Just the rollout resources, um, egos. It's all a fascinating little clusterfuck that makes up the world that we love. Yeah, that's right. So if you're, if you're a young, so pivoting a little bit, if you're a young surfer and you're coming up and you know, you've got 
you've got the big guys that are already doing their thing and they're kind of all just trained almost jockish on Instagram. What is your advice for a young surfer coming up that's going to be, whether he's going the free surfing route or the competitive route? Um, figure out who you are and create something around that. And that's okay to be a jock. It's okay to be this grungy kid that wants to ride a longboard. It's okay to be whoever. Just discover and figure out who you are and then build your content out around that. Don't try and be a professional surfer when you're not. Don't try and be this crazy rocker because you think surf needs counterculture right now. Um, it's okay to be whoever you are. Just allow that to shine through um, in every way possible. Um, I'm trying to not use the word authentic as much as possible right now, but essentially that's it. It's just, and that, that's on any platform. It's just be you and your talent will shine through. And it's yeah. like lean on, lean on people that can offer you advice or offer you um, insight on how to do what it's doing better. Because there's been a lot of people that, especially if you're sponsored and you're a young kid of like lean on the creative directors at the brands you're sponsored by and like, Hey, I've got this idea. How would be the best way to go about it? a lot of those creative directors would be itching to share information and experience they have to be able to roll it out. Um, don't think you've got to do it by yourself, but do figure out who you are before you start to roll it out. And those creative directors love those ideas coming through. I mean, you yeah, know, the, totally. creative director, the one thing that's the hardest thing about being a creative director is being creative because your <laughs> demands, it's true. The demands yeah. on your time as a creative director and, you know, and the amount of output, and the amount of excellence that's expected from a good creative director at like at oh. on demand, it's like the yes. you know, awesome creative button right here. And that's yes. a hard and thing to do. I mean, I've, I've had to do it. It's really, really not easy. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, one of my good mates is a creative director and unfortunately he's really quite talented and creative, but he spends half his time fucking in InDesign doing catalogs or Excel doing spreadsheets. Uh, Oh, we talk about him all the time on this podcast. <laughs> you can marry him together. Um, and who, as, as the young people out there that are kind of coming up through the ranks, who's doing it right? I like what, I mean, I like what that little gang of San Clemente Groms are doing in the sense of they're supporting each other um, across multiple platforms and they're working with each other to create different content and repost. Um, but no one's really jumped out at me in the sense of the way that they're packaging up their content, you know, or okay. trying to package up their identity. Let me rephrase that. Who's doing it wrong? <laughs> Most kids are doing it wrong because they're just looking at the brands or the leading surfers on the CT and none of them are doing it right either. So they have no, they've got unfortunate no, part. They've, no, they've got no, yeah. Yeah. There's no mentoring. There's no, surf accounts that are post to children of um this is what can be great if you're a kid coming up looking for that look outside surf because um you're not going to get a lot in surf that are going to give you uh inspiration or the right pathway to be like oh, i should be trying to do it like this i mean jamie o'brien does it really well but he does it really well for who he is and that might not be for you and so trying to break that down or explain that to a kid is a little bit harder because then you've got to break down concept and execution versus just do what Jamie O does. So trying to find a surfer. Um, skateboarding do it really well. I think there's a lot of kids like uh, Karen Capel, Sean Malto, 
I said that right. Um, you did. Even all the way out of the way Tony fucking does his account too, the way that uh, Nike SB do their account, you know. Um, basketball rookies on the NBA are doing a pretty good job, but they've also got NBA and um, the social media directors at each of their teams helping them out a lot, which comes back to that earlier point of don't be afraid to lean in on your um, creative director at the brand that you're sponsored by. Um, but definitely don't look at fucking influencers who are selling detox tea, white teeth or fucking bikinis because that's not really going to get you anywhere. Um, I love it's it. more about you try and figure out what, you know, it's, it's trying to understand of like, all right, I've got a social account where I've got 20,000, 50,000, 2 million people looking at this account of mine every day. What is it I want to give them? And it's not just basic reposting shit. Like, um, do I like what Noah Beshin does? No, but I can appreciate what he does and it probably resonates with his audience quite well. I think he does a decent job. Um, we love Noah. He's a great kid. Like yeah, said, I've, I've heard he's a great kid. Yeah, um, the content he puts up isn't for me and it yeah, shouldn't be for me. I'm either, a 42-year-old yeah. guy, but I yeah. like what he does and I can appreciate it. Hmm. I mean, yeah, they're that same. That, that's for sure. You know, they've got, they're doing it with conviction and, and, and they're yeah. into it and they're stoked on it. And they're, and we yeah. just used them for this Red Bull thing we did and they were, he and Kalani and they're just, they could not be a, a, a more engaged and awesome couple of dudes. Like they're just, yeah. anyway, they're, you can see it come through, but like you said, it's just, it's that, but that's their authentic self. So do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's, it's yeah. like run with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and, and it's no use telling a kid to do that because, a kid generally just goes, oh, I've got to do that. Or I'm going to do exactly what Noah's right. doing versus uh, un them understanding the concept and the difference between concept and execution. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. so it's just that Noah's lucky he's figured out what uh, what type of person he is and what he likes to do and he's running with it. Same with Jamie O, you know. Um, they've both done really well. Yeah. Uh, Jamie has been able to really monetize it. Like he's moving real product through his, he's created his own brand. He's, yeah, it's he's making proper always money. fascinating. It's always fascinating still to me that surfers are like, no, I want to put my uh, content on Vimeo. I'm like, Hey, you don't make money off Vimeo and YouTube's the second biggest search engine in the world. So you're kind of doing yourself a disservice there. Like if you're a surfer, if you're the next hot up and coming surfer and you don't use YouTube, you kind of, cutting your nose off despite your face in terms of um awareness and revenue potential absolutely one last thing or i mean sure there's more but the, the one thing that i think we had we sort of skipped over is that um you know we've been doing a bunch of talk about just like everybody else has about this whole covid thing one thing that's that seems to be happening with covid and it's happening sort of in the video game industry and i think any anybody that 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 makes their money on screen time is is potentially not going to be as effective as those who don't. Um, do you see any, any potential for brands to, to like leverage this, this moment more than they like to reallocate resources heavily towards social so that like anything that they were going to do that wasn't social, like if they're doing events or if they're doing trade shows, if they're doing like just really like take all that money and dump it in to, and, and as you mentioned, like really build it out. Uh, I think there's more potential for athletes than there is brands right now because most brands and especially in surf, um, people are getting laid off. So the already slim run of resources in social are probably non-existent right now. 
yeah. but for athletes, the potential is huge. Like, um, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing stopping them from creating an original content series of three to five minute clips that might drop every Monday on a IGTV because they're not having to figure out where their next travel trip is. They're not having to figure out where the next comp is. Like they could sit down with some creative people in their circles and go, Hey, we've got time. Can we do this? Or we do that. I think one of the biggest wins is the way Stab's done their um, interview thing with Mick. Like Mick's like, oh, I've got this time. All right, cool. So that's been a pretty good uh, execution there. I think, it's just more opportunity for athletes than brands. The brands that do have money and don't have to put it, sink it into an event or have more money because they've been able to let athletes go, then yeah, there is potential there, but whether they're gonna take advantage of it right now, I'd say don't, unless they've been sitting on a great idea that's specific for social, because there's no use just being reactive because being reactive has got us into the situation that we're you know, the surf industry has been suffering from, from the last four to six years. It's just been reactive and a race to the bottom. And, and everybody's sort of, it's very odd how much the same everybody is. It's strange that these brands oh, don't have yeah. an identity. Um, do you, in, 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 in your mind, and again, we're getting, I think, more into the larger <laughs> idea of brand here, which I think is probably where this all, this conversation ends up going anyway. Um, but, you know, is, do you see any, any, um, is, is there any light at the end of the tunnel in terms of your, or is, are there any bright spots in surf for you where there's somebody that's a brand that's really like, okay, besides rip curl, we just kind of talked about, but is there anybody else, even a small brand who just seems to be really getting it right. And, and just in general. Drag, but that's, I mean, it's a lead company. Yeah. Yeah. They do it right. So it's just got that kind of counterculturism. I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to do this yeah. type of mentality. Um, other than that, like I'm trying to think of some smaller brands that are on their way out. Um, none really jump out of me at the moment. Uh, like other brands that I think are doing well, like Noah out of New York. Um, that's a good brand that's leading by example of how a surf brand could be these days in the way that they've got transparency, the way that they're kicking back to the environment and it's not just a greenwash marketing effect. Um, but surf brands, I'm trying to think of up and coming brands. I recently just came across Cheer Wetsuits, which is an interesting mob. Apparently they've been around for six years, but the last four years they've been using I don't know if I'll say it right, Havea rubber, which is a natural rubber, which is similar to Ulex, which what Patagonia uses. So it's nice to see another brand come up that isn't using um, petroleum-based neoprene to create wetsuits. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, I mean, there's a lot of brands that are doing different things, like Misfit does something different, Banks does something different, Critical Slide have been around for a while trying to do their thing. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I think if anything, it's the probably the upstart hardware brands that have probably got the most opportunity. Anyone that's just wholly based in apparel right now is going to suffer. Mm, agreed. So the yeah, drag was we we soft top event last year in yeah. Cabo. And, uh, oh and, right, cool. Yeah, oh, it was so good. And those guys showed up. Well, Mitch showed up with it with a couple of those boards. They were just yeah. Bang. Just yeah. the, just I the graphics alone give you everything you need to know about those things. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I haven't ridden their boards. I generally just ride Mick Fanning softboards 
yep. because but I do like what that brand sort of stands for and the way that they just go around and don't give a fuck and they, they're just having fun and they're just enjoying the ocean and the surf for what it is. Um, Zion seem like they've done a pretty good job too. Yeah, that's an interesting brand. I've been looking into them a lot more lately. Zion and um, Adelia. Yeah, two yeah. wetsuit brands. Yeah, they're two wetsuit brands that are doing some interesting stuff in the way that they both support riders, the content they're putting out, and the way that they have that kind of young, reckless feeling about them, which is essentially, you know, if you peel it all the way back to what we surf for and like what is it really about, surfing is just an escape for us to be able to feel like our younger selves or an escape to get away from the day to day shit that brings us down. And it's that feeling of recklessness of going over the falls on a six footer and coming up going, Oh, I'm okay. Or getting a crazy barrel and getting spat out and getting the crazy endorphin rush. And um, this, yeah, there's a couple of brands that are kind of giving that feeling that if, if you feel like you're getting sucked into being a tribe, those two or three brands are the brands that give you that feeling of, uh, I'm along, the, I'm along for the ride with these people. Mm -hmm. Whereas I don't think people are buying wetsuits or boards from the leading manufacturers right now with the idea of I'm doing this to rep this brand because of what this brand represents. I'm buying from this brand because this brand makes the best hardware product that I need to go and do my pastime hobby right now. It's, it's a real, like, it's, it's almost a fuck up. Like, I don't know if there is, you know, there's, we've obviously reached the bottom and it seems to be getting worse and worse for all these, for all the major brands. And it's as much as they're not owned by surfers anymore, we still don't want them to go away, right? Like we still need the billable no. with silvers and the rip calls because they allow us to have this amazing content from our favorite surfers and allow these guys to go and go and inspire us. But it's just, unfortunately, yeah. the, the way they're going just can't, it can't sustain itself. Well, they've yeah. I think they've lost what the, they've just lost what they're doing it for in the first place. I think like, it's just another season. It's just another job. And I was speaking about the creative director thing, like, you know, the, all the way from the creative director down to the, you know, to the guys shipping the boxes, it's just another day. It's just another ditch to dig. You know, it's not, there's not that inspiration of, of or that, that feeling of like, we're really in this together. We're trying to build something awesome. You know, I think there, there, there is that at like brands like Patagonia, there are, are brands that, 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 that culture exists where it's like, we are really doing something. We're really making something happen. And I got to think that at a certain point, quick and billabong and all of them, there must've been an energy that was amazing. They were like, fuck, we're doing this. This is awesome, but it might not work. <laughs> it might work. It might not work. Once they got to the place where they were like owning that shit, it just, I think became, and, and they were a big company. Now they're the man, right? We always kind of like, as surfers, have always been anti that. We've always been anti-establishment. We're supposed to be anyways. And if you're not anti-establishment as a surfer, you're a bad surfer. You need to stop with that shit. You need to become a little bit more anti-establishment. Um, because that's, again, like you said, that's what we're chasing. We're chasing the point at the time where we're just like, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to go to school. I just want to surf. You yeah. know? I, I, agree for the, I, I agree for the most part with that point. I don't think that, the people that work for those brands are for the majority of the time, just clocking in, clocking out. I feel like the bigger problem was that the point that you raised of like most of those brands went through that heyday of going from, Hey, we're making 2 million a year, 5 million a year to almost making 500 million a year. And they grew 
and then the ego has gotten the way of like, all right, well, we should probably just settle back down to a hundred million and we can run a healthy brand that really does give back to surf and creates a great surf atmosphere at work and in and around our local communities. It's the idea that once that hit X amount and other people had come in, it was the sales and the growth projections and the need to continue to grow as capitalism through the early 2000s and last 10 years of if you're not growing, you're not succeeding. Whereas Patagonia just sat there and before they had their major growth spurt over the last five or 10 years, we're just hovering and they were quite fine. I think if for any brand, if they understand where their breaking point is, they can just sort of sit below it. Whereas a lot of the major surf brands maybe didn't identify that during the huge growth phases of the nineties and early two thousands. And so they got caught with their pants down and their egos unchecked in the sense of, no, we can keep growing. We can keep growing. We can keep growing. When if uh, it may have been better to look at it of like, Hey, we have grown to 500 million, but we also know that the market cap for the amount of surfers in the world that, who need product, yada, 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 is probably better to sit around at 250. So let's just shrink it a bit. Let's decrease our distribution. Let's make sure that we look after surf core retailers and surfers um, in a better way that is more surf reliant. And then, hey, there's this new thing called the internet. Let's not put our heads in the sand to that either. And let's get on the front foot and understand that technology can be our friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's so a fuck of things. So that's the common like thread here between it all though. Like, as soon as surf has been so resistant to change, like right, the internet came along, they had their head in the sand, now it's social media, and they're like, it's always been a chore because at the end of the day, and can't blame them, everyone just wants to go surf and not deal with something else, right? Like they just yeah. grew so naturally with beyond their wildest dreams, and now they've had yep. to pivot. That's the hardest thing is a lot of them grew to a point where maybe the people running them weren't maybe the best people to run them because they failed upwards and now all of a sudden when shit's hit the fan perhaps there isn't the most in business savvy people in there to help us navigate the problems of the last five or ten years and if we've gone and employed people who we thought were they ended up not and just creating more of a clusterfuck of issues when that bottom line is like we all did this this is like Laura and Singding did it back in the day it's like we created this brand so that we could surf more or that if the surf was pumping in the middle of the day, I can go surf. It's just of trying to figure out how to balance that, but it's a hard thing to balance when all of a sudden you're getting triple digit growth every quarter for 15 years straight. It's like, yes. where do you check your ego to be able to bring it back down and go, hey, you know, single digit growth is still good because we're not running at a loss. Whereas to continue that triple digit growth, you've got to reinvest quite heavily. And then once you start reinvesting and getting extra credit notes and doubling down on inventory and air freighting it in because it needs to be here on the 30th of April, because we're going to start selling summer and winter and shit like that, then you're going to come into some problems. So, so if you're going to fail, fail upwards as the only way to fail, but Link, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've got coming up with Empire Ave and what people can expect? Um, I think the main thing that Tim and I are trying to do with Empire Ave is just to create a great reference site for surfers so that they can make, better and more informed purchasing decisions around the stuff that's essential to surf. So we've got a lot of product reviews already and coming up around uh, wetsuits, surfboards, surf hardware around fins, some things around leashes, trunks, board shorts, that type of stuff. Um, 
we're always trying to interview and get some insightful uh, questions answered from people who are creating a lot of that product. So uh, we've got a really nice interview coming up with the guy that runs Wetsuits at Quicksilver now as he's trying to uh, re-energize that category for him. Um, and then we've also got an online store coming, which isn't an online store in its traditional sense. We've kind of kind of been spending the last year trying to figure out the best way to approach it in terms of logistics and operations more so than what we're actually going to sell. So that's about coming up. And then uh, there's still going to be a whole bunch of nerd content and sort of industry stuff popping up, you know, lookbooks and picking up on brands that are doing well. It kind of reminds me to the earlier question of a brand that I do like at the moment is Rock. Yeah. and how they just really focus on that travel. It's kind of like, it's almost like it's a modern day approach to rip kill search. Um, unfortunately, you know, they're at the whims of like, we've got to make sure we've got a lot of product going up on feeds and everything, but the overall concept of what Rourke was founded upon and continues to communicate is really quite interesting to me. Yeah, we've heard a lot of people have mentioned Rourke being like a brand favorite and the way they're able to incorporate their catalog into yeah. the travel story and truly in an authentic way um yeah but that sounds awesome man i'm excited to see what's yeah. coming up with empire Ave. i know that you don't take yeah. any money and it's all <laughs> just purely so it's purely um honest yeah. and true feedback yeah cheers for that appreciate it yeah and if anyone out there is listening got feedback just um send us an email at hello mate at empireav.com cool well, awesome. <laughs> all right boys Dude, Thanks thank for the chat. So Appreciate it. This is, this is incredible. Thank you so much. Yeah. Appreciate it's it. Too easy. All right. Catch us. Yeah, we'll do it. Cheers. See you. See ya. So long interview with Link and Ether from Empire Ave. Hopefully there was some uh, bits of information there that you can use and kind of take or some strategy or something that you can apply to what your kind of day-to-day is. If you're somebody that uh, is forced to do social media, as we said, don't look at it as an obligation. Look at it as, as an opportunity. Um, that's it. On the next episode, dropping Tuesday morning, we've been a little all over the show in terms of what days we drop them, but f- going forward, it'll be Tuesdays. And if we've got extra content like we did with Link, we'll drop them on Thursdays. So Tuesdays and Thursdays it is. Set your calendars. Um, the goal is to try to have them live by kind of 9 a.m. But we'll have Nick Stolls. I did a really cool interview with him yesterday. He is the founder and creator of Surf Care a new revolutionary, I don't know I would, say, I would call it. Oh, wait, no, you can use the buzzword disruptive. Yeah. He's, <laughs> Nick has developed surf care, and that is insurance for your surfboards. So you're, going forward, you'll be able to insure your surfboard for a really low premium. So yeah. taking the thing that you value most and brings you the most joy in the world and uh, cover it for the price of a coffee and a muffin. And, and knowing how greedy and, and, and shitty surfers can be, they'll figure out a way to game that system real quick. Oh, so. you know it. And that's what we grill them about. So uh, when Nick came and told me about this idea a couple of years ago, I kind of laughed him out of the store. And uh, and here he is, and he pulled it off, and he went through. He lifted some major boulders to get this thing live, and, and it is live right now. So we'll talk with founder of Surfcare, Nick Stolls, and have a few other things to chat about. Thanks, and have a good weekend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.